0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. I have a confession to make as I start this sermon. I've been enjoying the passages that I've been preaching on recently, but for all the wrong reasons. Those who know me well know that I have an intensely competitive streak. It's so strong that when my husband Drew and I started dating, he would only play cooperative games with me. I think he was worried about whether or not our relationship would survive if we competed. So when I preached a couple weeks ago and Jesus weaseled his way out of answering the chief priest's question about his authority, I was secretly like, Jesus won, religious leaders zero. And then when I read our gospel passage today about paying taxes to Caesar, I was like, yes, Jesus, two, religious leaders, zero. And to make it even better, if y'all come back next week, spoiler alert, there's another question involved, and it's going to be Jesus, three, religious leaders, zero. But joking aside, I know that this isn't the point of these passages Jesus isn't in some sort of scoring contest with the religious leaders of his day. He isn't trying to outsmart them, and he isn't even trying to avoid getting into trouble with them. He is in the last week of his earthly life, and he knows that he is walking steadily towards the cross. He's moving amongst the people of Judea, teaching his disciples, preparing them to understand his death and resurrection, and helping them see how to spread the gospel after he is gone. So it's within this context that we interpret the passage in front of us. The question might seem innocuous to us. It's just about taxes. And everybody knows you have to pay your taxes. If you don't, the IRS shows up in your doorstep and at best garnishes your wages and at worst throws you in jail. But in Jesus' day the question about paying taxes was actually a question about whether or not to submit to an oppressive colonial government. No one wanted the Romans ruling their land. They didn't get the rights and privileges that Roman citizens had. They didn't want to have to put up with the indignity and oppression that came with being a province of the Roman Empire. The Israelites wanted to see the glory of the temple restored. They wanted Jesus as their Messiah to rise up and overthrow Rome. And instead, Jesus said to give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And in and of itself, this statement was enough to potentially make him lose all of his followers. Not so much because of the tax in and of itself but because of what that tax said about their relationship with a government that viewed them as a people to be ruled with an iron fist and as individuals that were inherently dispensable. But it's everything else that Jesus said that matters too. He asked them, whose image and title is that? And on coins in our day, we put old leaders' faces. Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, the ones we think are worthy of our respect. But on coins in the Romans' day, they put the faces of current leaders because it symbolized their power and authority and made it present to people everywhere every time they used one of those coins. They knew who it belonged to just by looking at it. The man sitting in Rome calling the shots— and making the rules. Give back to Caesar what was his in the first place because his image is on it. But then Jesus said, and to God what is God's. And on one hand, we know simply that everything belongs to God because God is the creator of heaven and earth. But if we follow this idea of image which theologians have done since Tertullian, it leads us back to the beginning chapters of Genesis, where we read that God specifically makes humanity in his own image. You and I bear the image of God, sort of like that Roman coin bore the image of Tiberius Caesar. We are marked with it simply by virtue of the fact that we are human, marked from womb to grave as belonging to God. But when sin entered the world, that was all messed up. We became marred and broken and separated from God. We know God's image is there in us intuitively, but our disobedience severs our connection with the creator whose image we bear. Because we are sinful, instead of seeing the image of God in other people and treating them accordingly, with that respect and love that they deserve, we sin against them in big and little ways. Gossip, malice, pettiness and selfishness, those little jabs that we say because we know just how much they're going to hurt, these are the daily wounds and indignities that we throw at each other despite the image of God in all of us. And it's not just individual. It's also structural. Like the Judeans during the time of the Roman Empire, we're caught up in the midst of powers and authorities that don't treat us like the image bearers of God. We see this happening in the Middle East right now. In its violence, Hamas treats the Israeli Israeli settlers as half-human, denying the image of God in them. And in its violence, the Israeli government treats Palestinians as half-human, denying the image of God in them. But not to leave it over there where it's far away and we can kind of keep it in the distance as those people who do that. It's not so different here in the United States where often the color of your skin determines How afraid you are of the police and how well the government and the laws work on your behalf. Throughout our world, we deny the image of God in each other. And if Jesus had just left it at give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, he would have left us mired in that sin and brokenness of our world, both of our own making, and of the making of powers outside of our control. But then Jesus said, give back to God what is God's, and set his face towards the cross. And there's a sense in which Jesus' entire life is characterized by this statement, give back to God what is God's. He became incarnate, a baby in a manger, In his humanity, marked by that image of God. And in his divinity, the very image of God itself. And then he lived the perfect human life that none of us are capable of living. And each time he saw and treated a human being as bearing the image of God, he healed a little bit of human brokenness. He showed us how it was always meant to be had Adam and Eve never messed it up in the Garden of Eden, how it might have been had sin and death not entered the world. Each word of gentleness spoken to an outcast, each miracle of kindness healing someone's suffering, each moment of teaching which set to right legalistic religion, with each of these acts, Jesus restores humanity and bears witness to the image of God in each of us. He gives back to God what is God's. Here is your creation, the way it was always meant to be. But his life alone wasn't enough, because the sin and death that had marred creation had to be met head on. And so he did that too, dying on the cross and rising again, submitting to the death that had separated us from God for so long and conquering it by rising again. These were the final acts in restoring to God what was God's. And because of this, each of us through Jesus can now have access to God again. It's because of this that we are not threatened by giving to Caesar what is Caesar's as we live in this broken world. We know whose we are and whose image we bear, and we know whose image each person around us bears. We stumble through life, sometimes recognizing that image in ourselves and in each other, and sometimes missing it entirely. But through all of this, we trust that Jesus has seen the image of God in each of us perfectly. And he stands before God, beside each of us, saying, Here is your servant, covered in my blood, forgiven for her sins, her humanity restored and perfected, marked by your image, ready to be yours holy and truly. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorge.org slash give. Thank you for your support.